KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. There's an awful lot of concern that the American economy could be headed towards a recession. We wanted to dig into these concerns. How likely is a recession? What indicators should we be paying attention to? Our guest is Dr. Ron Anderson. He is the dean of Temple University's Fox School of Business. So to start, to just kind of set the the baseline of our discussion, can you describe, define a recession? I've always heard it as two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. Is it that simple? Is there more to it? Kind of what makes up a recession? We kind of have two definitions for it. The the popular press likes to use the definition that you just stated, two quarters of negative GDP growth, two consecutive quarters. In economics or in finance, we don't have a strictly hard definition for it. What we typically do in economics is we look at peaks and then we look at troughs in, in the economic cycle. And so the normal state of the economy is expansion. So that would be meaning you're going from a, a trough and the economy's growing and, and then it'll peak at some point. And then once it peaks and starts heading into a trough, that means the economy is contracting. And so most economists would take that contraction period to define a recession. Uh, it, it's not very technical in that sense. And, and I think that's why people like to fall back on the two negative, two negative consecutive quarters of GDP growth. From your experience, somebody who studies this, who understands it, do you feel a recession is almost inevitable over the next year, 18 months, kind of given the indicators we are seeing? I don't think it's inevitable. This is a very strange period that we're in. So we we had the pandemic and and the federal government, the Federal Reserve, the Treasury, everybody stepped in to ensure that the economy wouldn't tank as we all decided to to, to cloister in our homes and, and so forth. So they put a tremendous, tremendous amount of liquidity into the markets, okay? Uh, and, and that happened at, at both the macro level and the individual level. So we have a tremendous amount of liquidity still in the markets right now, still floating through the economy. And when I say liquidity, I think the easiest way to understand that's just cash, right? Everybody is cashed out. Even individuals have very, very strong financial positions right now. So I don't think it's inevitable, but as this liquidity comes out of the market, that's going to take some of the pressure off of inflation because there won't be as many dollars chasing the same number of goods and services. The one thing that that, that does concern me uh, in, in all of this, though, is the incredibly tight labor market. Right now, we're, we're sitting around 3.6, 3.7% unemployment by any definition that we use in economics, that's considered full employment. Uh, but what's different this time is the number of people who are engaged in work. We haven't recovered to pre-pandemic levels yet. Normally, there's about 165 million of us that are, that are steadily working. That was pre-pandemic. We're not back to that yet. A lot of people have opted out of the labor force. Perhaps as some of this liquidity 
starts drying up and individuals' balance sheets or their own personal financial positions weakens a little bit, we'll see more of those people heading back into the labor market. That that would help us there a little bit. Uh, with the unemployment rate where we're at, with with the number of people who are actually looking at for jobs, uh, employers have no other uh, option really than to continue to increase wages. And so we're putting more pressure on the limited number of goods and services we have in the market. The other thing that's happened here because of the pandemic, we horribly disrupted our supply chains. As a consequence, the normal number of goods that we would typically see coming into the U.S. or even produced in the U.S., we're still not back to pre-pandemic levels. Perhaps as the supply chain starts recovering, uh, perhaps maybe China will actually get out of lockdowns and so forth, that, that we can get the supply chain back to where it was at. Uh, that would take some pressure off of the inflation as well. And then lastly, I don't know how the Ukrainian-Russian war plays out, but Russia either is or was the number one oil producer in the world. They were producing about 11 million barrels a day, and, and the biggest part of that was going into Europe. Okay, uh, We all need to fill our cars up. We need to heat our homes and so forth. So we took another really big shock there uh, when we put the embargo on Russian oil, particularly when the Europeans put the embargo on Russian oil. So we've had that increase there. It will take us as an economy and as an oil industry longer than three or four months to adjust to that. If you want to sink a well and start producing, you're looking at anywhere from 12 to 18 months. So we've got another pressure that could come off pretty quickly if somehow or other that's resolved in a way that that maybe Putin's not there and, and the West would take the sanctions off of Russia. So there are some things that we're looking at out there with the supply chain, the, the oil, the unemployment, these things are all going to, in my opinion, probably improve over the next 12 to 18 months. So I don't think a recession is inevitable, but unless we get some of these pressures out of the system, then a recession is likely to happen because we have got to get the economy cooled off. It, it, this idea that we're living with 8% inflation, it's bad for all of us. It's fascinating to me as a layman. It seems to me that a labor market where if you want work, you can find work and you have flexibility to maybe leave your job uh, would seem like a win across the board. How unusual is it to have a labor market like we've got right now, and yet serious, legitimate concerns of recession. Is there another time period you can point to where those two things have kind of been in limbo or uh, have been kind of working together like that? I have never seen anything like this. We've got 11 million jobs out there that need filled, and we've got four or five million people to fill them. And, and and obviously, there's a matching process that goes on there. So 
lots of those people that could fill those jobs may not have the qualifications for it. So this is really strange what we're going through right now, this mismatch between demand and supply in the labor market. It is a bit disconcerting, but with the stock markets, you know, it's down about 20% year to date already. Uh, you're seeing some of the high tech firms like Netflix and, and uh, others starting to, to lay off people. Uh, I you hate to see anybody get laid off, but it's also relieving some of the pressure on the labor market. Should we have been more on alert for a recession during the first year of the pandemic? Everything went off a cliff there that first month, but we kind of had ongoing stimulus money, throwing a lot of money into it, the enhanced unemployment. And I say this as someone who thinks these were incredibly important and I am no way saying these were a mistake, but should there have been more kind of real talk that, hey, we're doing this. It's probably the right thing to do right now to save this thing from going over the cliff. But down the road, it could present problems. Yeah, and that's a really good point, because I, I, the other time I think back to this is when we had the housing crisis. And we were afraid that the financial markets were going to freeze up. And that's when Hank Paulson and the U.S. Treasury and the U.S. Congress said, here's an immediate $800 million or $800 billion, $800 billion, excuse me. And, and we all gasp at, at how much money $800 billion was back in 2008. The pandemic was Big. I mean, if we can all think back 30 months ago to the idea that we have this virus floating around, we know nothing about it and, and so forth. So I think the initial steps, what the government did going in and doing these really big stimulus packages, it, it, it saved the U.S. and world economy at that point. So I think those were the right moves. As time kept going on, and, and and only history is going to be able to tell us. But as time kept going on, maybe we should have slowed down on the stimulus. Maybe we didn't need as much. Uh, and and only time again, only time can tell us there. Because what what we've noticed from the stimulus is again, people, individuals. Consumers in the United States have some of the healthiest balance sheets that they have ever had. Uh, and, and almost all that came from stimulus and so forth. So lots of people have opted out of the job market. Uh, one of the things, and, and I'm kind of surprised some politician hasn't brought it up yet, but the government puts so much money into our pockets. Maybe we should have a one-time tax to take some of that money back. And, and repay the treasury. It's never going to happen. I get it. But we probably didn't need the last stimulus package, the, the one that happened around the time of the election or when, when President Biden stepped in. I'm not saying it was a bad thing, but it probably really wasn't needed at that point. I think the economy was starting to heal. And the idea that we that people talk about doing another big stimulus package, it can't happen. It, 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 that would make inflation much, much worse than, than what we're seeing right now. What are some other, you've brought up like some kind of key points that you're looking at. Are there some other under the radar indicators that you keep an eye on that you would look at to 
see if they start to blink red a little bit with regards to recession, you know, maybe things that don't come right to mind when we see these stories on the evening news for 90 seconds and stuff like that? Yeah. So a a couple of them that come to mind right now for me is that when you look at the, the, the interest rates that we as consumers are paying, right now, uh, it's usually pegged to what we call the prime rate. So last year, the prime rate was at 3.25%. Today, it's at 4.75%. And, you know, when we're talking percentages, sometimes that doesn't seem so big. But I will tell you, when something goes up by one and a half percentage points over a year's time, it makes borrowing very, very difficult for the consumer. So I think we really, really want to watch interest rates. The Federal Reserve, their key interest rate is called the the discount rate or the federal discount rate. It's sitting at 1.75%. A year ago, it was at 0.25%. The Federal Reserve wants to take that, at least what they've been publicly saying, is they still want to double that. They want to go from the 1.75% up to three and a half percent. That is going to slow the economy. There's absolutely no doubt about it. That's what they want. They, they need to get the economy slowed down. The pace at which they do that is going to matter. So the last time the Fed just changed interest rates, they moved by three quarters of an interest point, point or yeah, 0.75%. We were all expecting maybe a half percent up to about two or three days before that. And now they're going to meet again in July, I believe. And they're talking another three quarters of a point move and maybe even two more throughout the year. So it's conceivable by the end of the year, we're at their three and a half percent target. Uh, That will slow the economy down. But that's the Fed working. There's also the market working, the bond market and the credit markets. They're already there. Think about uh, about a year ago, I bought a house. I got a mortgage rate for a 30-year mortgage of 2.75%. If I were to go do that today, it's 6%. So I couldn't afford that same house. And so this is the other thing that I'm a, that I think we really need to watch closely is as interest rates keep going up, what's it going to do to the housing market? The housing market accounts for about 20% of the U.S. economy. So it, it, it's probably the single biggest factor in the U.S. economy. And, and already we're seeing mortgage lenders They don't have the same volume of refis that they were getting. They're not seeing the same volume of new mortgage applications coming in. So the housing market's already started slowing down. The other thing that's going to happen in the housing market is we still have a bunch of people out there that can be cash buyers. But that's going to dissipate. Not everybody can afford six or seven hundred thousand dollars for cash for a home. And so, as these people start coming out of the market, and or, or they buy the house, and, and and again they're out of the market that way, this is going to put some pressure on the housing market, and uh, and that maybe is a good thing. Uh, slow it down a little bit. Maybe prices will come down a little bit in the housing market. So I, I watch those interest rates very, very closely. 
We need to take a break. We will continue our conversation with Ron Anderson, Dean of Temple's Fox School of Business, right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. And we are back as we get back to our conversation with Ron Anderson, Dean of Temple's Fox School of Business. It's interesting to me about the the Fed interest rates because you do see like markets going wild over these interest rates. And I understand the last one really caught people by surprise and that's significant. But even like the first couple and just kind of taking the 30,000 foot view, you go back to 2008 when everything went off a cliff housing wise, you know, the Fed's rates have been incredibly low. They had just started to tick up before the pandemic. Is there something, and I don't mean like blame, but did people get too used to life at that level where maybe something that's a return to where things probably should be in a healthy economy is freaking everybody out more than the actual move should? Am I making sense? No, that makes a lot of sense. So back in 2002, 2003, if you went out and got a mortgage, 30-year mortgage, you were paying 6%. Then the housing crisis happened, and then we all got these silly, I mean, ridiculously low mortgage rates. I mean, if you have excellent credit, you are getting mortgages at 2.5% for 30 years. That's almost like free money. We did get used to that, and... I think it will take us some time to get back. If mortgage rates stay at five and a half, six percent, it's going to take us some time to readjust to that. I'm not convinced they will stay at that level, though. I, 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 we often talk about the new normal in financial markets, and this is that new normal of money, if you want to borrow it, being close to free. I mean, if you can go out and get a 30-year mortgage at 2.5%, you should do it. It's a question whether the new normal is going to persist or what we're seeing now is going to be the new normal. I I would venture to guess that we're going to go back to a, a lower interest rate environment over the next 12 to 18 months. And overall, with all these, you've got the, we talked about the labor market, interest rates rising. Uh, consumers, it seems like sentiment is down, but you kind of dig in, they're still spending their money. How would you kind of rate the health of the American economy right now? Health of the American economy right now, super hot. I, I, I know that seems so funny to say that because we're all sitting around worried about inflation and recessions and everything else. But you look at the amount of money people are spending on goods and services right now, it is just super hot. In fact, that's what's causing the inflation. And uh, so, yeah, we have a really healthy economy right now. Uh, the stock market's not, the stock market looks ahead, right? It looks way ahead. And uh, so it, it wouldn't seem like it if we're gauging by the stock market, but super healthy. You look what people are doing with travel, with their purchases, everybody's out buying. And if there is a recession at some point, based on what we see here, do you think it would be relatively brief or because we're kind of in with so many odd situations, it would kind of have to be TBD. I think there's a 50% chance of a recession. Okay. I don't, I don't, because anytime we've had high inflation in the past, 
we almost invariably end up having to go into a recession to get rid of it. It takes price pressure off if if there's fewer dollars chasing these same same goods and services. So I think there probably will be one. To me, the, the, the scariest scenario is if we lose this growth that we're having in the economy, okay? What we don't want to have happen is the economy quits growing and the inflation persists. That's what happened back in the 80s, early 80s. We got into stagflation, that the economy doesn't grow. And then we still have these rising prices. And and to me, that's the worst case. I don't think it'll happen. Uh, I, I think the Federal Reserve is pretty sophisticated about what it's doing. I think it was a little late to act. Uh, they had a different view than I think most economists had about pumping all that liquidity into the system. But they are acting now. And uh, based on what Chairman Powell's remarks were last week, he, he's willing to take the economy into a recession if he has to, to get inflation under control. And it's interesting to me, if you and I talk 10 years from now, regardless, recession, no recession, but it seems to me we're kind of in a moment where we could see kind of like watershed change when you consider the gas situation. And you talk about Russia, but it's also kind of a moment for electric cars. This we could look back and go, this is really when we kind of by not by choice, but almost by we had to get off fossil fuels. You talked about the supply chain issues. Time for companies to really look at, hey, you know what? Maybe just having that just in time model wasn't the best and you could have change there. You talk about the labor market and you know, people might come back, but if they don't. I can tell you just going like my local Wawa, where they had cashiers, now they have kiosks. We could see that accelerated. Could we kind of look back at all these different things and say, boy, that was really a transformative time for the American economy? Because it seems like a lot of different aspects are going through really, really significant changes. And that's another reason why it's so hard to kind of get our arms around what's going on here. Yeah, I, I would agree with your analysis on that. I, I even watch it in higher education. So prior to the pandemic, half my faculty was able to teach online after the pandemic, or we're still not out of it. But post right now, everybody can teach online. The students, a good chunk of the students only want online learning now. What you're talking about, Wawa, uh, I couldn't get a cashier in, so but I can get a quote unquote, computer robot in to take care of it. So what's happened here, I think the pandemic has accelerated all these changes that they were probably going to come anyhow. But if I use higher education as a gauge, I would have thought that these changes would have probably taken a decade to get through and to. Uh, They all happened over an 18 month period. I think industry is seeing this as well. I mean, the talk about Like, do we all need to be working five days a week, 40 hours a week? I think of what this has shown us, probably not. Uh, That that productivity has remained really high, that individuals have adapted to this. And uh, and yes, in 10 years, we're going to look back and I'm pretty sure we're going to say, wow, is that chaotic and wild? But boy, look at the transformation it made for us. 
That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.